Ketso Sajani on Cape Talk, your number one news and talk station. It is that moment. Tim Lundy with us in studio. We are hiking with Tim. Uh, welcome back, brother. Thank you very much. You good? Very good. Um, so last week we 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 were talking about you know prepping to go up the mountain, what to do's and don'ts, and how to do it. Extreme weather hiking. Extreme weather hiking. Hey, yeah, yeah. that was tough. And then you so, subsequent to that, so this find week, yourself with the situation. There was a rescue this week um, that I was part of um, with Wasar, um, where it was two people that got stuck up in extreme weather. So what was the what what, what was uh, what were the weather conditions? Terrible. Um, basically, you sitting a couple of meters away from me, I wouldn't have been able to have seen you. That's rain or or mist? mist? Mist, rain, wind. It extreme. Last week was a storm. It well on on the top of the mountain. It was um, down below. It was just drizzle, so the conditions were totally different on top of the mountain. Wow. So um, yeah, we went up and and got these two people and brought them down safely. But um, I reckon when we were up there, I had a, a three three in one jacket, which is two jackets zipped together, hmm. as well as an inner lining top. And I was still cold. I reckon it was probably about three degrees up there. And and I know you know one cannot delve too much into the detail of the people, but what were they warm? Were they they were they geared up for well, for those conditions? Yes and no. They did have warm clothing on, but when it's been pouring with rain, they were completely soaked. So the one person had a leather jacket on, which weighed a ton because it was completely sodden with water. So we got that off and got warm, dry clothing on. And an operation like that, I mean, which, uh, I don't know if I can ask this, but which part of the mountain was it and how long did it take to reach them? Um, from the time that the call came in to the time that we got them down, I recall it was around about two hours. We were lucky enough that we were able to drive up to the top. Okay. The drive up on its own takes half an hour. So, which which is why today, I mean, we, we are talking about a mountain rescue. Mm. Now, before we go to the nitty gritty, is there many different um, organizations and volunteer organizations that um, are there on standby should somebody need assistance? Tell us about who they are. Okay, so basically the organization is called WASA. It's a mm-hmm. voluntary organization. And um, they it, WASA stands for Wilderness Search and Rescue, which is made up of a whole bunch of different groups um, that have different um things that they bring to to the group. So you'll have people that work on the helicopter, you'll have people like the rangers, you'll have EMS, you'll have the Mountain Club of South Africa that have technical crews that will go in and do some of the the, the sort of rock climbing and abseiling. Um, you'll have field, field teams that will um, also do carries. So, so when you need to carry somebody off the mountain, mm-hmm. you'll have teams of people that literally... You, you walk around about 50 to 100 meters before you have to swap out because you, you're carrying somebody that's anywhere between 80 to 120 kilograms right. over terrain. So in the dark, with it raining. <laughs> Shout out to the guys at, at Wasa, really, the work that you do. Um, amazing. And then i you know seen some of the tweets that they put out there also reminding us constantly of the need to just be mindful. Tim, I'm, I'm looking for... for, for stories and not specific to individuals but 
what have been what have been some of the 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 different type of rescues that you guys have had to do look the majority of them are actually not too bad in terms of um, technicalities of, of trying to get somebody off um, a lot of the calls are for somebody who's sprained an ankle um, so when you're halfway down plastic club and you sprain an ankle you're not exactly going to hop the rest of the way down yeah because you'll just end up spraining the other ankle um, so then you have to be carried down um, and that requires a lot of work a lot of organization and um, what people fail to realize is that when when a call comes out it's around about sometimes two hours mm. before we will actually even get to the patient so somebody might assume that yeah but i mean i twisted an ankle this is not a big deal why does it have to why is it a big deal well look i've spent my ankle on the mountain and it, it is a big deal because you know you take for granted that just walking one foot in front of the other it's easy when you, if you've sprained an ankle before, you'll know. Yes. Now, trying to walk over an uneven surface, um, the mountain becomes a very, very large place because mm. you realize just trying to take two or three steps takes a huge amount of work. Which then brings us to the, one of the earlier um, uh, advices that you've given. Don't, don't, don't be clever. Don't go walking alone. Because there you are walking alone, and then you sprain your ankle, mm. and then you're not in comms. Suddenly, you are stuck. Exactly. So again, that's one of the reasons why I keep on saying don't walk alone mm -hmm. um, if you can help it. It's really the ideal number that we always try and um, tell people f um, from the organization that I'm with. Um, we try and tell people four is, is the ideal number. Mm. Because if, if one of the party goes down, then at least somebody can stay with that party and the other two can then go and find help. You should never try and go and find help on your own because you'll end up with a second rescue on your hands. And um, that has happened, right? It has happened, yeah. There was a, a, a case a couple of years ago where it was, a, I think, a husband and wife, and they were hiking, and one of them fell, and the other one then went to go and get help and ended up falling themselves. And it's that easy? Oh, yeah, no, it happens. It happens a lot. I mean, it, it happens way more than, than what the general public know. Um, I obviously can't give exact yeah, yeah, yeah. exact yeah. numbers, but it is it is a lot more than what we than what we know. At the moment, it is quite um, quiet. At the moment, mm. our, our busy season is obviously springtime um, and and December when when the mountains are really full and the weather's really good. Mm -hmm. Tim Landy is with us in studio. We're talking about uh, mountain rescue specifically as part of our hiking with Tim. You might have your own uh, stories of a loved one being stuck or you yourself getting some assistance, or maybe you are part of the wilderness search and rescue. Uh, give us a shout. Uh, let's talk about um, the work that you do. I mean, rangers, EMS, technical crew, choppers, field teams. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a range, Tim. And if we're going to talk mountain rescue, let's, let's again in giving advice uh, beyond what we've we've, we've said already you, advice on what happens if i'm on the mountain i might not necessarily be as prepared as tim said i should mm. be but besides being um you know having to a, a, a twisted ankle i get lost yes or we as a group get lost we need help Right. What do we do? So w one of the things, if you're on, on Table Mountain itself or on the back table, at most of the intersections, they've got these things called hubs, which are sort of stone structures, um, cylindrical, 
with either a map on it of the area showing exactly where you are on that map, or it will show you the directional um, places that you, if you're wanting to go to the cable car, it'll point in that direction to get mm. to the cable car. Um, so it helps you sort of navigate your way. Um, the problem with it is, which is what happened with these people um, this week, is that the the mist closed in. And of mm. course, trying to get your landmarks mm. is impossible. When you can hardly see five or six meters, um, trying to know where north is, mm. a simple thing like trying to find north becomes a very, very difficult and challenging thing. And by the time we got to them, it was pitch dark. So there were whole new challenges on top of that. So it was dark. It was misty. It was cold. Um, all, all of those kind of things play into making the whole situation quite quite dangerous. Mm. I, I want to talk a bit more about the what it actually takes, what is involved in a rescue. Because also sometimes, uh, Tim, one gets a sense that in in um, in not prepping as you're supposed to to go up a mountain, one easily downplays what could possibly happen, what it takes, how much it costs for you to be assisted should you need help. Mm. So around the world, um, as far as I'm aware, um, rescue teams don't really charge. Um, mm. So the, the majority of people that I work with are volunteers. Mm. Um, we We get our own gear together and we rely on the public to for donations um, to to help get us some so that we can go out and buy gear, mm. especially especially for the technical guys. Um, a lot of the ropes and and the harnesses and everything that they've got, all of that equipment costs a lot of money, mm. and it needs to be replaced from time to time as well. And there are of course costs like if you're going to need the guys that have got the the the, the helicopters. I mean that's that's a whole other cost yes. in itself. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, the point being, if we can limit as many of these rescues as possible by Absolutely. behaving and acting in a certain way um, and adhering to certain rules, it would help. But, of course, we know that sometimes you find yourself in a situation where you are geared, um, you're ready, and due to whatever circumstances on the mountain, yeah. things happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, people always ask me, is it, is it foreigners or is it locals? Is it experienced people? Is it, it's everybody. Yeah, one of the things that my my father <laughs> kept on saying is like, you know, he he didn't want to be part of of rescue many years ago. He stopped doing it because he just said like, the amount of silly people are out there, um, and I, you know, don't want to go out and, and rescue them. Unfortunately, it's not always silly people that need to be rescued. Yeah, sometimes it's rescuers that need to be rescued. You know, accidents happen. Things things go wrong on those mountains mm. and. You need to be prepared for them, and if you, if even if you are prepared for them, things can go wrong, and then people need to be rescued. You can't can't sit and discriminate against people yeah. because they they were wearing flip flops. I'm always interested in your stories, and we'll get to more stories of what you found out there and, and the kind of work that you do in a mountain rescue scenario. We're hiking with Tim Landy. Um, join the conversation, 021-446-0567. And I am encouraging the guys from Wilderness, uh, the, that form part and parcel of Wilderness Search and Rescue to, to call in, uh, share your stories. What is your advice as well? What are some of the um, experiences that, that still 
are stuck with you today. 021-446-0567, SMS 31567 on Twitter at Cape Talk at Koketsu Sachane. Koketsos on Twitter at Koketso Sachane. 18 minutes to 10. We are hiking with Tim. We're talking about mountain rescue. Um, stories that you might have, questions that you might have for Tim. 021-446-0567. Tim, let's run through. So somebody's stuck. A call is made. What is the process? What happens once a call is made to say there is a problem on, I don't know, Platoclof Gorge, something? Yeah, so basically once once there's a problem, then the the caller will um, interview that person and try and get as much information out of you as possible so that we know what the situation is. They then call Rescue Base, which is in Pinelands, mm. and hand the call over to them. They then will more than likely call back the person who's ma- originally made the call to get further details and just to update them as to what exactly is going to happen. Hmm. So let's say you are, you've got a sprained ankle, you're on plateau clip and you're about halfway up. Um, the, the rescue base will then put the call out to the WASA members hmm. and the relevant people will then, so let's say it's at night, it's, you know, it's going dark. So that rules out the helicopter because you can't fly a helicopter right next to a mountain when it's pitch dark. Why not? Are they cowards? <laughs> <laughs> Stop they, being sissies, man. Get into that helicopter. They no, they're just not yeah. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they're basically then field teams, teams will be sent out with technical teams as well um, to go up. And normally, if it is a serious injury and, and we have enough people, we'll then send a hasty team. To, to what is that? Hasty team is basically to get you as quickly as possible to um, assess the situation and then call back down to the base, which will be established on Tafelberg Road, to say, look, we need X, Y, and Z. Um, please, will the next teams that are coming up, please bring it. So bring a stretcher. Hmm. We need a 20-meter rope, 10-meter rope. Um, the technical guys will then attach lines to the stretcher um, the medics will, will stabilize you, put you into the stretcher um, and, and attend to you. And the technical guys will take care of the, the, um, the ropes and, and trying to, try to make sure that every, everybody is safe and secure. Mm-hmm. And then the, the field operators or anybody, for that matter, who can carry will then carry and, and help carry that stretcher. And you are talking about eight people around a stretcher, so four on either side. If the person is particularly heavy, then you can get up to 10 people on a stretcher. You've got to remember each one of these people has also got their backpack on, which can be up to 20 kgs on their back. Wow. Um, so you're walking in the dark, so we've all got headlamps on, and you you now proceed down the mountain. That trip down the mountain, which normally takes just over an hour, could probably take around about four hours to get you down. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the most... Um common or quickly remembered story of what could happen going down a mountain in an emergency is what happened with Kuguzulu coming mm. down from, from um, Kilimanjaro. Yes. And and there, of course, we, we also got to find out about the poor conditions that even the rescue teams had in, in on, on the mountain there yeah. uh, and how he he succumbed on the on the way down so yeah. 
uh, and you know can be for many different reasons what happened with the Guguzulu there but just getting a sense of what it takes is something that's very important yeah um in the dark down a mountain is not as simple as fly throw down the rope you can't do that no it can't be like in the movies no. you have to actually take it step by step and also suppose what prolongs it has got to do with the condition of the person exactly so if the condition is really bad then then the medics basically our jobs or as 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 being a, a field um operator um our job is to get the medic to the patient as safely and as quickly as possible Mm. Once we're there, we then wait for the medic to stabilize and do their job, and basically they then we then decide what what needs to happen and the the best and and safest way back down that mountain yeah. with the resources that we have because we don't always have twenty people or thirty people. Sometimes on big rescues where it where it lasts or searches where it lasts up to five days, you you're talking hundreds of people. And five days. Yeah, they've uh, they've been one or two that I've been in the last five years where there's been five days where you're trying to search for people. Um, where does just on that? Mm. Where do you even start? Because okay, somebody's gone missing, and 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 uh, and I like referring back to what you've you've taught us before. Um, Hopefully, if the cell phone signal at each point be able to let people know, uh, inform, um, what is it? On, on the tracking, yeah. the WhatsApp group. Yeah, in, inform people as to where you are. But here's a scenario. Somebody has uh, a couple of people gone walking. They haven't come back. People are not too sure where they were, yeah. where they started. And then now, as a team, you have to go searching. No, exactly. Wh- where do you even start? What Look, do you I'm, do? I'm currently doing... Um, a course at the moment on manager f- um, field training um, where I will basically hopefully get to a point one day where I'll be running calls as well mm. um, as opposed to not just being the one that goes out and, and does it. But I feel very strongly that in order to become a field manager, I need to actually know what it's like to be out there and actually go and stand with the troops basically mm. in, out in the field and actually experience the things and see the things that you need to see to have, have that experience. Um, but so, yeah, basically where you would start is interviewing family and friends, Hmm. um, and, and, and putting a plan together, um, and, and getting teams together. Um, you can't, you can't put teams together if you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. And sometimes we are given very, very little to actually go out and search, Hmm. um, and, and, and to work with. Hmm. So sometimes it can be very challenging. Other times, like the other night, it's very simple because there was a dropped pin, which tells us exactly where that person is, so we know exactly where we're going and how we're going to get there. So the plan is is quite basic and, and simple to to get in and, and get to those people. The, the the other question though would be, okay, so I watch a lot of these police interse- interceptors, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. and, and and when you watch police interceptors, especially at night when they're chasing after a criminal, then the helicopter has got that infrared thing uh, the, where you're able to see. Is can't you use that? Don't don't they have that whole thing where you can if you're flying and if it's at night, right, if it, and not too close to the yeah. mountain, and then you are able to see the warm bodies. Um, yeah, this this is not really my expertise. You would have to speak to the SkyMed guys about that. Right. I'm hoping at at some stage to to organize one of one cool. of the things to get one of them in to sort of go into the details about helicopters because people are always fascinated by by the helicopters and what's involved. Hmm. Um, 
with helicopters. Um, it is a very complex machine. It is the most expensive piece of equipment that yeah, you don't use. play around there. You don't mess around with that thing. So there's there's training around working around a helicopter because okay. it is very dangerous. We take your calls. We're with uh, Tim Lundy. We're hiking with Tim. Ten minutes uh, before we wrap it up. 021-446-0567. What questions do you have for him? We're talking mountain rescue. Kirsty in Scene Point. Good evening. Hey. Hello, Kirsty. Oh, hi. Uh, I just want to say, um, um, do people not listen to the weather reports? <laughs> do they not listen to the weather reports? And um, are, are Mountain Rescue not able to put their reports out? You know, like NSRI do when there's high swells and bad seas and don't go out. Are the, NS, are the Mountain Rescue people not able to put out their thing to say, people, don't go up the mountain today or be careful, there's mist or there's something. It's a wonderful program you have and a wonderful things you do, but can't they have more coverage from from the newscasters and, and can't people listen to the weather reports a little bit more? <laughs> Look, the reports are put out there all the time. Um, the, the, the problem is that you get people that are coming from overseas that won't necessarily be targeted. Um, they come here, they're, they're in the hotel, they don't listen to the radio or to television and they see Table Mountain, they want to go up Table Mountain um, and they set off, the day is really nice, they get to the top and the weather is completely changed and they're dressed in a t-shirt and shorts. Um, so we do try and put out the word as much as we possibly can and any warnings like last week, I think it was, yeah, it was last week with the, with the severe storm, there was lots of warnings put out by everybody to make sure that people don't um, go out mm. and um, yeah there were no incidents that happened on that particular day on the mountains and I think you would have probably found it very difficult to actually find anybody on the mountain also you've said before that uh, and we know in Cape Town weather changes very quickly you could easily be under a certain impression of what the weather is going to be like but it would be also very different once you get to the mountain or get high up in the mountain oh yeah you uh, can you give a very precise weather uh, forecast of if you get to Table Mountain by this particular time, these are the conditions that you will be confronted with? You can look. You, the, the the idea is that you basically got to prepare for everything. So if it's thirty degrees and it's a beautiful day, prepare for the worst. So imagine that it's going to be raining, even though it really doesn't seem like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Table Mountain is very fickle like that. You, you're down in the city and you see it and it looks very pre- beautiful. You get to the top and it's a totally different world. Um, and people just really need to realize that you've got to prepare for absolutely everything. We, we, we tend to, when we um, thinking rescue and what normally happens with rescue, that it would be very much Table Mountain in this area. But do you find that in, in other mountain ranges, Heidelberg? And yeah, so you, you, you've got, um, we've got the Peninsula Group, which basically is one of the busiest, if not the busiest, in the Western Cape. Hmm. You've then got the Winelands Group, which is a very well-organized group. Um, and also, basically, exactly the same as here. They've got their own equipment. They've got their uh-huh. own kind of guys, four-by-fours, dog units. Um, they've got all of those kind of people that will will be called upon if needs be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, the Winelands area does get quite a few calls as well. And those calls can often be very different to Table Mountain calls. Right. Just because of the terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather conditions out there, I mean, as we know in the last week or so, the snow 
I was um, in Amanus on Friday driving back, and the, the amount of mountains that were covered in snow, mm. the whole Boland range. Um, did you to feel? Be, did you feel like going to walk there? I did. Yeah, with <laughs> your did. crazy self. <laughs> 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 Tim Landy is with us in studio. A few minutes uh, left. Um, join the conversation. O two one four four six o five six seven. Cape Talk. WhatsApp Kaketso now. 072-567-1567. Four minutes to 10 before we wrap with Tim Landy. Still a bit of time for you to uh, sneak in a call. Tim, the guys at Wilderness Search and Rescue, I, I now fully um, or now have even much more of a picture of the, what they do. Mm. Um, and as you said, they... There's a lot of equipment, there's a lot to it, and there's some assistance that's needed. Um, yeah. how, how do we donate? How do we help? Okay, so they, they've got a bank account um, that is the Wilderness Search and Rescue Trust. Um, the bank account is an ABSA bank account. Um, can I give the... I think what we'll do is I'll, I'll post that up. On yeah, the, on I'll we'll put it up, and also okay. um, people who would want to access the details can also just say rescue via the WhatsApp line, and we'll send the details. Okay. But I want to make sure that we squeeze in with just like you got a minute, Robert in Moriersburg. Yeah, good evening. Thanks huh. for a nice program. Uh, I just wanted to find out uh, a little bit more information about the lady that uh, went missing on the mountain, the Ghanaian lady. Uh, unfortunately, she was only found weeks later. W- what was the uh, problem? Where, how come it, it took so long? That's that's all what I wanted. To know. Yeah, I, I, I know, Robert, that the, those uh, some of these specific cases is what um, uh, Tim can't speak to those. No, unfortunately, I can't. Um, what I can say, though, is it is, as far as I know, an on- ongoing police investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not about to yeah. interfere with that kind of thing. They 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 found her they they're dealing with it um our job is basically to go out and search for her and look for her and and um do yeah. what what we can and, and do what we've been asked to do which i believe we did as best as we could all right um, yeah let's leave that um to yeah. the police but of course it makes sense why robert would ask considering what we we're talking about but uh case specific um uh, rescues we really um have to re- be respectful and not get yeah. into those details but tim people want to get a hold of you besides um at hiking cape town on twitter yeah so they can get a hold of me also on my facebook group which is cape town hiking with tim lundy um they can get a hold of me on email which is tim at cape town hiking dot co dot mm-hmm. and if you want to take this number down for or Wasa, which I strongly recommend if you're going to go into the mountains. Yes. It's 021-937-0300. You can also phone 10 but they will just put you through to the first number that I gave you. Yeah, so rather get a hold of Wasa first, um, 021-937-0300. On Facebook, Cape Town Hiking with Tim Lundy. On Twitter, uh, Hiking Cape Town and also... Uh, Tim at Hiking Cape Town. Town, That's your (laughs) desert. 